Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast. My name is Kerry Shumway and I'll be your host. Today I sit down with Jason Sleeman from United Community Bank. Jason has 20 years in banking and the last six years running the Craft Beverage Vertical Group within United Community Bank. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about the most pressing issue on everyone's mind, which is the PPP round two. So we'll get into Jason's perspective on this latest round of funding and what brewery owners should be thinking about, information you should be gathering, and his tips and advice for making sure you can get funding on this round. We'll also talk about expansion funding, startup funding, and any specific tactics uh, that Jason recommends from a lending perspective that brewery owners should be thinking about. So for now, please enjoy my conversation with Jason Sleeman from United Community Bank. Hey, Jason, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Kerry, thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you here. So tell me about United Community Bank. What services do you provide? What markets do you serve? And uh, what types of clients? And who might be an ideal client uh, from a size or a need perspective? So United Community Bank is a regional community bank based out of uh, Blairsville, Georgia. Uh, We have clients uh, across the U.S., especially in the craft beverage vertical. Uh, We lend across the whole U.S. And the majority of our lending is going to be SBA lending. So it's SBA 7As, it's SBA 504s. And then, you know, we will do add-on products with SBA Expresses, so lines of credit and, and smaller loans there. Uh, we also, in our footprint, which is Georgia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Tennessee, we offer a full range of banking services to our clients. So uh, for that brew, we can offer them uh, deposit accounts and you know just kind of that more traditional banking that we don't offer across all 50 states just because we're not geographically convenient uh, to someone kind of in the uh, West Coast to be able to provide those services. So uh, you know we're, we're established here in the Southeast, but we have uh, brewery clients all across the U.S. Okay. And from a size perspective, are you, what's an ideal client? Like, are you targeting a certain size in terms of revenue or? So uh, generally uh, right now in today's market, we're looking at kind of expansion clients uh, as the target of what we're looking for. And those are usually up to a lending request of about $5 million. And those are usually uh, not, Super mature businesses, but they are kind of established. So they've they've been in business two or three years, and they're looking to kind of make that first expansion. Uh, they're probably uh, I don't know somewhere two to two to five million dollars in revenue, maybe up to ten million dollars in revenue. Uh, but they're they're your true definition of a small craft brewery, um, someone who's who's kind of gotten on the other side of profitability, and uh, they're starting to see some scale happen. Okay. And for you specifically, you run uh, the craft brewery, you call it a vertical or 
the, the specific part of the bank is is focused uh, in, almost entirely on craft breweries. Yep. So so I do. I run our craft beverage vertical, and I would say that the mix and makeup of that is probably about ninety percent craft breweries, and then the other ten percent is a smattering of distilleries and wineries. But for the most part, we're pretty focused on craft beer across the U.S. Mm, yeah, I think that's helpful because you know it's rather than just you know, any bank that loans money to any business, you know, there's nuances to the craft brewery space for sure. And it's, I think that's maybe a value add you guys and you, you specifically with your experience can provide. Yeah, it's, it's very important because our team is basically built around this. So my underwriter and my credit officer are really just looking at craft beverage deals every day. So it's not like they're underwriting a doggy daycare or they're underwriting a bakery and then having to change and look at a brewery. The only differentiation that they're really looking at is geography. What is the overall environment that they're going into? Um, but that also allows us to get down into the weeds sometimes with, you know, especially in the COVID time. Yeah. Southeast is doing things different than the Northeast versus the Southwest versus the Northwest. And it allows them to be pretty specific and say, we have had success in this state before. We know what our track record is and we know the right questions to ask and answer to help the client out. Great. So I'm going to shift gears to you. Uh, you know, we're recording this on a G- early January, mid-January and PPP round two is here. And I know that's got everybody's attention. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what do brewery owners need to know about right now relative to this relief package and how they could take advantage of it? So I would say that uh, it's almost a, a redo of round one. So the, the first thing that I would ask a, a brewery client is, can you qualify for round one? And if they did, then there's a couple of things that round two have that are slightly different. Um, One, you need to have less than 300 employees. Um, I would assume most breweries that are going to be able to check that off. Um, The second part is you use round one appropriately. So um, you're going to hear a lot of banks talking about working with their clients that have applied for forgiveness first. Um, That's how they're going to be able to kind of check off that Uh, did you actually use it appropriately? And so for the most part, I would say that probably nine out of every 10 clients did, uh, but every once in a while, you'll get one where they just use it for whatever they want and uh, it's going to be a loan. That's probably going to disqualify them from a round two. And then lastly, the one uh, curveball that we didn't see in round one that we're seeing in round two is that you've got to demonstrate a a sustained law, a reduction of 25% in gross receipts in any quarter in 2020 versus the same quarter in 2019. So in in the first round, there wasn't a financial requirement that proved that you needed this. In round two, you're going to have to prove through financial reporting that you actually will need this money. So um, I've talked to two or three breweries already, and they said, we're not going to be able to apply for round two because we actually had a really good year. And I think a newer brewery is going to find it hard if year one was your opening and you were posting all kinds of massive losses, even if 2020 wasn't great, you're probably still going to have a better year than you did in your very first year. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting too, because you know, I I think there may be circumstances where a brewery had a really bad quarter, say a bad second quarter. If they look at quarter two 2020, they compare it to quarter two 2019, they're like, well, we're off. 50% or whatever is possible. 
but it was, that maybe they corrected in Q3 and got a little better and then Q4, then maybe for the year it wasn't, wasn't quite that bad. I'm wondering what's going to happen. I know this is, there's, should just preface this by so much of this is subject to interpretation. And as, as we know, rules kind of change after the fact. So we just don't know. I think everyone's making the best interpretation, interpretation they can right now. But what's your sense relative to if a business can demonstrate a 25% or greater gross receipts decline, say for the second quarter, but in the aggregate of 2020 for the year, they got back to maybe flat or something like that. Have you heard anything relative to to expanding the scope beyond just that one quarter? Yeah, and I, I think there, like you said, there's going to be some interpretations of this. But my understanding is if you have a single quarter where you can prove that, then you should be able to apply for PPP round two. So you should be able to just point to a single quarter and provide a year over year. And if that is the case, you should be able to go ahead and apply for that. Cool. You know, we're talking offline a bit about a number of brewery businesses opened right around the time that everything was shutting. It was almost remarkable. Sometimes you hear like, we opened on March 15th and everything closed down on March 17th. It's just, it's kind of heartbreaking. Um, so for these businesses that just started out, it seems pretty clear. The requirement is that they had to be in business on February 15th, 2020. They had to be operating. And then to demonstrate a decline, they have to show a quarter over quarter reduction. So second quarter 2020 has to be lower by 25% than second quarter 2019. If they didn't have 2019 revenues, we were talking offline. It sounds like they're probably not not in luck relative to PPP round two. Yeah, I think there's going to be two schools of thought. There are going to be people who want it but couldn't qualify because maybe they only had a 15% drop. And then there's going to be people who don't have any data for 2019. And at least right now, I don't expect that they're going to actually be able to apply for PPP. Um, and I would assume that that's probably a conversation they may need to have with you know the bank, right? That, that's probably an individual conversation that says we don't have a full quarter or we do have a full quarter, you know, and in, in, in being able to have a one-off conversation if if they think they're close to that requirement. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this thing called a NIX code, N-A-I-C-S. It's a business code that probably folks don't think a whole lot about, but it seems to be playing a very large role in this PPP round too. As folks may be aware, if you qualify as a food and accommodation service, essentially bar or restaurant, uh, and you're using a specific NAICS code, starting with the 72, you can qualify for up to three and a half times a loan of up to three and a half times your average monthly payroll costs. If you don't use that code, you're PPP part two loan is up to two and a half times. So the question here is how do we, so many breweries are maybe operating both a tap room, which would I think qualify as a, it does, it follows, it falls under that 72 uh, code, but they're also maybe doing production brewery. They're selling to wholesalers and, and so forth, which is a different code. It's the three, two starts with the three, two code. So what have you been hearing on this? Because it's a big deal, right? It's either two and a half times or three and a half times. That's a large difference. Um, what do you see in there? So it is it is a, a big difference. And I think that each brewery is going to have to work directly with their bank 
to try and work on the bank's interpretation and the brewery's interpretation. Uh, you know, what, what I think that interpretation looks like is if the majority of a revenue from a business is coming from that tasting room, so serving over the counter uh, and, and what you would consider your tasting room activities, your food, your whatever, um, and, and you can work with your bank to justify being in that 72, I think you can make a case for that, right? So you need to establish a case with the bank, have a discussion with them. I, I would not be surprised uh, with some of the specialty banks that have a uh, specialty that are in hospitality, there are things like that, that they're probably preemptively looking at that, especially if you've already done a round one, they kind of know who you are. And so we've had some conversations with some of our clients too, to find out where they think they could fall. And we'll try and work with them to try and make sure that they're appropriately placed in the right uh, section. But I think making your case, having some documentation that says, here's how being able to separate that, right? A, a lot of people's P&Ls, Carrie, you, you know this, uh, mm -hmm. aren't, aren't probably as detailed as they would like them to be. So being able to spell out what comes from your distribution and what comes from your uh, tasting room revenue, your food revenue, things that would be more of a gathering place um, are going to be important because you're going to have to be able to justify that 72. If, assuming the bank has you in one next code and you're trying to move to another, you're going to have to be able to state your case to be able to make that move. Makes sense. Thanks for that. Are, are you guys, another thing I'm hearing is there are, you know, brewery owners out there that don't currently have a relationship with a, with a bank and they're scrambling a little bit. Are you guys taking new customers? And if so, you know, what does that look like? And, and, and obviously we'll drop your contact information here in the, in the show notes for people, but how, how should uh, people approach that? So I think I would assume the banking industry as a whole is going to try and do something very similar to what I'm going to describe to you. Um, you know, most banks have a big pool of round one uh, clients. So someone someone has done a loan with them for round one. And so what I think you'll see the majority just kind of across the footprint is uh, you would have your client at that bank that got round one and has already applied for forgiveness is going to be the first PPP loan that will actually be done for round two. Um, and then in that interim, I'm sure a lot of the people who haven't applied for forgiveness will try and go out and apply for forgiveness to get in the in the line. So I would think that most banks will try and prioritize who they have from a client perspective. Um, and then after that, um, you know, you'll you'll be looking and and um, you know there there is a potential that if money is still there, um, which I, I'm expecting it to be right. They, they're planning on closing the door on this round two of PPP March 31st. Um, what will happen is you would be able to work with either, you know, a, a local bank or potentially we, we may have some capacity at the end of um, dealing with our existing clients to be able to help with them. And so, you know, we can we can, you know, kind of talk about that one off if, if there's a brewery out there that is interested in that and, and seeing if we've got any capability. But I, I would tell you when the when the gates open um, at UCB and pretty much any other bank the expectation is that the people who got round one are going to be the first ones at line. Gotcha. The, in round one, it seemed to me that the turnaround time between signing the legislation, getting the applications out and funding was remarkably fast. You know, I would say somewhere around two, three, I'd never seen anything like it. What's your, is, is your expectation for this round comparable to that? Meaning applications for, for, uh, 
uh, new borrowers, I think, opened yesterday. And for second round, it's opening tomorrow. In any case, what's your, I guess, expectation in terms of receipt of application to submission to funding? Yeah, so I think it should be, I, I don't think anything will be any slower in round two. I would expect that it'll be the same, if not faster, because you know, in most banks' case, if you're working with round one and you're going to round two, you've already collected the majority of the stuff. You you know who the client is. And so the probably the biggest piece of documentation you're going to need from round two is that financial information proving that you actually can qualify for round two, because for the most part, you've got the, you know, the EIN, you've got all the kind of application information. And so you're just trying to put together a, a bigger, you know, Proving that they can do it, and then if they can prove they can do it, you know it should it should move pretty fast. I would say the other thing was with round one, it was a learning curve, and it may not be a zero learning curve, but the learning curve will be a, a lot shorter, and banks will be a lot more efficient just overall on being able to uh, work on round two. Absolutely, yeah. So there's tons we could we could probably spend another hour or two on PPP, but I think what I would do. And I will do is is kind of refer folks to a couple of webinars. I'll put those in the show notes. Is there any, I guess, before we leave this topic, anything, you know, I haven't asked or or you'd like to add to uh, the PPP discussion? Anything folks should be thinking about or doing in this regard? Yeah. So I would tell you, it, there's still a little bit of calm before the storm. So if you are you you know and you've kind of gotten to that spot, but you haven't applied for forgiveness. Um, you know, if, if all the consultants, I, I think a lot of people who have waited this time have got people advising them. So I would probably talk to those advisors and say, hey, we're anticipating applying for round two or we're not anticipating applying for round two, kind of what your situation is. And if you think it's right, it's probably a good time to apply for round two because the bankers themselves haven't started on round two financing. And so this is kind of a, a one week window to potentially work on getting that forgiveness done. So it's probably, if you haven't really thought about it or you've you know, shoved it in a drawer and said, I'll get to it later, um, it's, it's probably later and this is the time to be working on it. Okay. All right, let's shift away from PPP. And again, I know this is a hot topic, so I'll, I'll post some resources and so forth so people can you know, listen to um, you know, longer versions of webinars with, with folks that can expand on some of these topics. Um, but what I've found is, you know, despite the financial crisis, despite this pandemic, many folks are interested in starting up a new brewery. It's still a dream, right? It's just maybe a dream delayed. So they're using this time to really plan, figure out what to do, get ready for when things improve. So from your perspective, when do you suggest these folks should start talking to a lender about, you know, funding this this future dream? Yeah, so... I mean, now is as good a time as any. I, I'm working on a couple of uh, select startups that, that you know, right now we're really focused on expansion, but there are just some people who, when you put their experience together and you put their strength of personal assets together, uh, it really is a good time to kind of talk. Uh, so I, I would say that now is a good time, right? Uh, there's a couple of reasons, um, you know, the hopefully the the worst is behind us for COVID, right? So hopefully we don't have these massive shutdowns. We don't have massive revenue loss for breweries. Um, but but now's, now's a great time to do it. And 
maybe this we can kind of straddle um, expansion and, and startup here. But part of the reason is when you look at when you look at the cost, uh, especially one of the things that I think most startups get shell shocked on is they start having a conversation and then you start laying out some of the fees and some of the things that happen and they you know start to go oh well maybe not. Um, you know, through September of this year, the SBA is waiving their guarantee fee as part of the Economic Aid Act. And so that's kind of the the not so much discussed uh, cousin of PPP, but it's a huge benefit to, to borrowers. And as a startup, if you, you know, say you've got a million dollar brewery, if you can save, you know, tens of thousands of dollars on the front end by not having to pay the guarantee fee, um, you know, that's that's probably the time I'd be wanting to try and talk about is when when can I do it? And depending on you know, how quickly you can get open. There, there's some other relief aids uh, like direct SBA payments uh, on on loans. So there, there's a lot of things. So there's a lot, uh, you know, it's, I think it is depending on where you are in the country. Um, I would say there's some pockets where people are probably not super excited about starting up a brand new uh, brewery. Uh, but I would say that there are other pockets where, you know, there's less dense uh, brewery population and there, uh, you know, things have kind of opened back up and having those conversations, the banks are definitely open to talking like that. So as as folks are getting ready to have those conversations, you know, and approach a lender such as yourself, what information do you recommend that they start pulling together? And that can be if it's financial information, you know, what specifically do you look for? Is it a business plan? Um what what are sort of the starting points that people should should be pulling together? Yeah, so on the business side of the plan, uh, what you'd be looking for is a, a business plan, and that business plan, you know, a lot of times I will get a, a business plan, and I'll, I, since I look at a lot of them, I'll say, well, what about this? And tell me what's your distribution plan, or tell me why you're you know why you're doing this, right? So there, there's a lot of times where someone will say, we want to open a brewery, and um, uh, I'll use this, uh, use myself, right? If I came to a, a bank and said, hey, I'm a banker, I want to start a brewery, um, I'm probably not going to get a loan. Uh, one, because what, what, why? You know, that that's one of my first questions is why you want to do this. And um, because you want to open a cool brewery or bar is not a really good answer. Uh, just go work at one is what I always tell people if that's, if that's really all you're looking for. Because uh, there's a lot more to it than that. There's a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of uh, chewing your fingernails, hoping that the uh, rent check caches, at least in the first uh, part. So, you know, it's, it is that business plan is kind of understanding that it's understanding projections. So we, we want 36 months worth of projections in the first 12 months. We want those broken down on a monthly basis. So we want to actually understand your monthly cash flow in the very beginning of the brewery. Um, we'd also want to understand, you know, kind of what is the plan? So have you, have you done research on, is, is this a good location? Is this going to be a place where you're going to lease or you're going to own? Um, so so on the business side of it, there's no historical cash flows on a startup. So it, it really is all about, you know, selling the vision of the future. On the, on the personal side of it, you know, it starts with you are not separated from the business, right? That That's all too often people think, well, I'm opening a business and I'm going to separate myself from it. Um, but, you know, especially on a startup, you, you are intertwined. So your personal credit score, your personal net worth and reserves are hugely important. Can you, do you have a lot of debt? Are you going to have outside income? 
Are you going to have the experience, right? So, you know, the, the three, the three kind of major parts of it are, you know, what's your management experience and not, not that you've owned a business, but do you understand the beer aspect of it? Right. It's, it's, uh, it's, can, can you, can you do that? And if not, you know, you're going out to hire someone, you know, what, what does that look like? Um, your, your personal revenue, your income, and then what's your personal debt and credit capability? Do you, do you have a lot of debts? Are you overextended personally? Um, you know, you should be adding to the brewery and not subtracting from the brewery, at least very early on. Mm, good points. Yeah, I think that that probably needs to be said and heard more often that there's no separation between the individual making the application and the business and, and the prospects for the business. You know, particular you know, what I see from time to time, it may not be a banker that wants to open, but it's it may be somebody in a completely unrelated field. Usually, it's a lawyer or whatever, and they're just like, I want something different. Um, how much weight do you put on? I think relative to management experience, how much weight do you put on? Let's say it is that lawyer that comes. It's been my dream to start this brewery, and I have a team that's assembled. You know, I have a brewer that's got this experience. I've got um, a salesperson who's got you know beer experience, et cetera, et cetera. How much do you weigh that in as opposed to maybe the individual themselves coming forward with with this idea? So the first question when someone comes to me with this team approach is how much equity do those people have? And if the answer is zero, uh, it scares me to death. And, and I will tell you, because if you do this long enough, you see it. I, I had a group where we gave a guy a loan because his brewer was super slick and he was really sought after and they had a falling out. And about four months after the brewery opened, he left. And that is scary. So, you know, I, I learned pretty early on that that's great that you have a team surrounding you. Um, but if they're hourly or salaried employees, it is not hard for them to just get up and walk out. So having something that ties them to your success is really important. And that's, and that's whether it's an expansion or a second location or, uh, you know, a startup that be, being able to say, Hey, look, we, we're dependent on this person. Um, it, it's tough. And, and I look at that of, Hey, I may have brewing experience, but we've got this better brewer than me. That's one thing. It's another thing to say, I'm a lawyer. I'm, I want to own a brewery and I can't tell you what wart is. Uh, you know, that, that is not something that makes me feel really comfortable. So it, it, it really depends on, you know, what level you bring to it and then what level of incentive that team has, um, for staying. Gotcha. So startup businesses, you know, it's tough to get funding for them, whether you're a brewery or any business. Uh, we've talked a bit about this offline. So if, if someone is in that position, they, they want to start up, but they may not be a good fit uh, for getting that startup funding for any variety of reasons. Uh, you know, traditional funding might not be a good option. What are some other steps they can take to either get funding in the future? So things they can do now um, or maybe find alternate sources of funding? Yeah. So, you know, at one point in time, I would tell you that crowdfunding was the answer, right? I mean, it, I feel like maybe three or four or five years ago, someone, you'd, you'd have someone come to a bank and you'd say, no, this isn't going to work. And they say, all right, we'll just scale down and we'll go out to crowdfunding. Um, that really is not, uh, at least in my experience recently in talking with breweries, that's not really a place where they're going anymore. I mean, there, there's not a lot of angel investors sitting out there waiting to invest in a brewery. There's just not. Um, so part of it is 
Um, and this happens pretty frequently is someone will come to me um, for an expansion or they'll come for a startup and we'll say, hey, look, here, here's here's the roadblocks that you have to this and, and spend an hour with them and say, look, here's here's what you're going to need to do to make this work. Um, and, and some of it is just advice that says, hey, look, you, you're short on your equity. Go out and find an investor or go raise your capital. Or, you know, I had a guy come to me and he had bad credit and we're like, all right, cool. That's fine. Um, but we've got to work with you on a path to get back to getting your credit back into line with where you need it to be. And so sometimes it's not a, it's not a quick fix. It, it's, it takes years. And, uh, you know, I've talked to some people who were going to do it and we told them no before uh, 2020 hit. And that's probably the best advice. This is probably the best thing that happened to them is that we didn't give them the money, um, you know, on, on that. So, um, you know, it, it partly is there, there are sites out there. There are expensive credit, uh, but I would tell you that you've got to weigh all of that and, and um, seeing, but, you know, get, getting with consultants where they can go and say, Hey, look, this doesn't make sense. You know, how do you do this? Um, I think it's the most important thing when someone, when a bank tells, you no, um, to just kind of understand what the, what the reason for the why is why, why the no. Um, and then is it something that you can improve on? Tough love. <laughs> you need some tough love. You don't want to hear you don't want to hear the no, but maybe to your point, sometimes it's the right answer. So if I shift now to breweries that are that are you know currently operating, you know, one of the things we've certainly seen in this pandemic is the business model shift towards package product, right? Towards off-premise sales and the requirement really for breweries to either add or expand their packaging capacity to take advantage of this so they may have to buy new equipment or used equipment are you, so my question for you is are you seeing requests uh in this vein you know for for buying new equipment for expansion loans and if so what information do you need to see from the brewery to determine uh, whether they can get funding how does that work so we're seeing a lot of expansion requests um and they come in different uh, requests, right? So sometimes it's, we're getting ready and we think another tasting room is the right answer. And this is probably the time to do it because we're slow and, um, you know, we can, we can build it out. Others have said, Hey, look, we're relying on, uh, maybe a mobile canning product and we, you know, either couldn't get that as frequently as we needed, or, um, we are going to do a lot more volume and it just makes sense to go ahead and bite the bullet and, and, and buy that equipment. And so, um, you know, th those requests come from all over and, um, it's not so different than the conversation we just had from a startup. It's a little bit different, but it's looking at the three-year historic cash flow of the business. And some business, some breweries haven't been there, so maybe it's one-year historic uh, of that business. And um, you know, in 2020, we're we're looking and seeing, you know, did that the the first kind of hurdle we're asking is did that brewery break even, right? So we, you know, that's, that's kind of where we are, right? Was it a huge massive loss or are they in the ballpark of without all the PPP and everything else that they probably would have been close to break even. And if that's the case, that's a, that's a really good indicator for us to say, Hey, look, we should continue to have conversations about this. Um, a lot of times what that request is, is very similar. So it's, you know, we, we want some projections. We want a business plan, uh, again, more understanding the why. So why do you want a second taste room? Why do you want the package? You know, it, it, this is an environment that it's better. It's better to have kind of that plan than it's just a, we want to, um, you know, I would say that, you know, 17, 18 
19, you could have just said, hey, we want to do this. And you probably could have gotten the money. A, a lot more is uh, stating the case for the need. So we need this. We, this this is the, this is what's going to happen. And it will pull these levers. Um, you know, we can um, get into grocery stores or we can increase our package or we can do something different. And this helps us with this additional line of revenue that we didn't have before, um, especially you know, it's not that uncommon for the last couple of years for people to have built a model around a tasting room only, right? With zero distribution, all we want to do is, um, you know, sell beer over a counter. And so there's a need to change that model. And so that that's, you know, kind of argues for itself. So, um, you know, again, right now, that's the same thing. Uh, I would tell you that timing on that is huge right now because of the SBA waiving the fee. Um, if you don't have an SBA loan, you can get uh, the direct payments of up to six months uh, if you know it's fully funded by September, the end of September, September 21st. Um, so these are these are these are huge reasons to do that. And um, you know if if the brewery has you know had a dip and we can explain it, we we can work with that, right? So I, I would say that you know if if I don't leave with anything else, that you know just being you know talking to a bank that is willing to partner with you and have discussions is going to be hugely important through the PPP process and any expansion or startup that you're looking to do. Right. Um, so obviously we've talked about PPP and expansion loans and so forth right now. I mean, obviously the, you know, everybody's hurting financially. What should brewery owners be talking to their bank about now anything in addition to what we've already talked about any other assistance or things that might be available or coming in the in the near term that they uh, can talk to their lender about yeah so you know I, I would say that just as a general rule of thumb if you haven't talked to your banker in the last six months you probably should pick up the phone and call them right i mean they hopefully they've called you but if if they haven't you should call them um because uh you know it, it they're there are things that are going to be continuing to evolve, right? I mean, there, there's potentially more stimulus coming. Um, you know, who knows what will continue to happen with PPP. Um, but having that open dialogue is going to be really important. And I, I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing is just if you have that communication, say, look, here's here's our missteps or here's where we're having success. It helps that bank be able to advocate for you, uh, on you know anything that any challenges right because because i don't have a crystal ball but if you listen to some of the you know the news articles and and uh, even stuff that the ba has put out 2021 is actually when the breweries are going to start to fail as opposed to where they were in 2020 and so when you start looking at that this year potentially lines up to be harder than 2020 um and so just being able to have those conversations um, and, and kind of know that your banker knows you're alive and, and you know that they're alive, uh, I think is a, a really important uh, just step and continue to stay connected. So last question for me before we start to wrap up. Um, I'm curious what the most interesting things are that you've learned from breweries during this financial crisis. If there's any examples of breweries that were better positioned maybe to withstand the financial side of the crisis or any best practices that, you know, other breweries could learn from anything come to mind? Well, so the, the most interesting thing that I learned was definitely just the ingenuity of breweries, right? So I, I know that 
Um, there are breweries who uh, had kegged beer and pumped beer out of those kegs to put them in the package because they knew that uh, in the current environment, it wasn't going to sell, right? I mean, that, that, that just talks about the, the thoughtfulness that a lot of brewers will have. Um, but, I, you know, I think some sheer luck was also there. I, we, we had recently funded a brewery um, and they had just by chance happened to order a canning line. It really wasn't something they were planning on to put online. And COVID hit, and it still didn't get there early in COVID, but they got a canning line just out of out of sheer luck um, to get their package in, right? And so, um, you know, ingenuity and luck have have been two you know really big cases here. But I would tell you that um, you know the the breweries that have done the best have been the ones that have been strategic with how they do things, right? So, um, you know, it's not always possible to be sitting on cash. Um, but I would say that working capital and having some sort of access to working capital, whether that's a line of credit, having an investor on standby, um, having, you know, inventory that you like barrel aged inventory. I, I, I know that that was something someone had done is they were barrel aging stuff and they said, hey, we're just going to go ahead and get all these specialty beers out and we're going to generate the revenue for them. So being able to understand what levers that you can pull to generate uh, working capital and cash um, is really the secret to the ones that have been really successful. Um, and, and then being able to kind of understand what, what is available. So can I, can I contract brew, right? So some of these guys have been really ingenious and said, look, we, we are not brewing as much as we were, but we have capacity and we can help someone else. And so they've turned their capacity into contract brewing They're, they're That's not what they were built for. Um, but they, they're helping people be able to do that and, um, you know, kind of, kind of have that scope. And so I think the, you know, the other part is just what, what has the marketing been? And, you know, we, we have, <laughs> there's a brewery down here, uh, in Georgia that, that did kind of a, a, a kit that was, a to-go kit and it had Girl Scout cookies and toilet paper and, you know, all kinds of these creative things in it with a couple of beer and you would order it and they would bring it to your car and you never had to get out and, and they just sold stacks of those. Right. So I think part of it is, is understanding that, you know, in the brewery business, we really are in the people business, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, from the banker helping the the brewery or the brewery servicing the people sitting on the bar stools, um, you know, we, we really are, it's, it's hospitality, it's understanding our clients and it's trying to be able to best serve them um, and finding creative ways to do that. Mm, well said. And I love the Girl Scout cookies, beer and toilet paper. It's kind of like, the, uh, what else do you need really to survive? It's all, <laughs> it's all there for you. Well, Jason, this has been great. Uh, thanks so much for the time. If people want to get in touch with you or learn more about your business, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so um, happy to talk to them on the phone. My phone number is 404-375-3945. Or they can email me at jason underscore Sleeman at ucbi.com. And that is S is in Sam. L-E-E-M-A-N. Excellent. All right, Jason. Thanks so much and stay safe, my man. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. 
Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.